0: Welcome to The Bible Talks with Josh and Heather. The
1: Bible Talks is a show that discusses deep theology in a simple way.
0: If you're interested in theology but don't consider yourself a theologian, this is a show for you.
1: You can find this and previous episodes on our iTunes podcast or at KVXL 101.1 Experience Liberty Radio.
0: We're Josh and Heather Tice from Southern Hills Baptist Church, and we're so glad you joined us today. Now let's get started with something fun. Okay. So Welcome to episode 15. We have our fun question for today. Are you ready, ready, Josh? I think it may be a tough one, so I'm going to ask the question, give you a little time to think while I answer because it's a hard one.
1: We always like to have a little bit of fun. I don't know. Maybe
0: it's not hard. Maybe you'll be ready. Yeah. What have you been tempted to buy on home shopping channels?
1: Whoa, whoa, whoa. I've never watched the home shopping channels. Oh, you
0: actually, I just realized you have bought something off of them. What? I forgot about that.
1: I bought something off the yeah, home Yeah, for shop?
0: me. Something oh, I love that right. I'm I bought carrying you, with me I right now. I bought you
1: luggage. I bought you... Um, but you saw that on TV, right? Samantha Brown's luggage. Uh, no, I, I saw it online Oh, that she mind. sells it on the home shopping network. It
0: doesn't count if you didn't see it on TV. I,
1: well, you know, I've, I've, I've bought things off of watching commercials. Really? Yeah, not home shopping okay. network.
0: Well, commercials. Give us some examples.
1: Well, whenever I was uh, young, I remember seeing G.I. Joe commercials uh, for uh, G.I. Joe action figures that I really wanted. And I would talk to my parents about it. And so, does that count? Oh, but count? that's like,
0: no, that's like a commercial. That's not like oh. the Home Shopping Network. There's never oh. been anything that you see them describing it. Maybe, I would Have even you say, ever watched the Home I will even say, here, I'll give you a caveat. Okay. What about the shark show? You know, where they... The they have like Shark Tank, Shark yes. Tank, yes, where totally. they have the business ideas, absolutely. So you could say I watched something, they had an idea, and I thought yes. that is a great idea. I yes, I
1: bought that. something off of that.
0: You bought something? you did. Yeah, I did. What did you buy?
1: It was a it was a uh, t shirt.
0: <laughs> Are you serious? Oh, yes. I know what kind of t shirt is. You should. All right. Tell, okay, I'm going to share.
1: I didn't Um, know you got that off of there. Yeah, I bought that off of there. So somebody came on, and they talked about, uh, and and the sharks did not give them a deal because they said nobody would buy it. Um, (laughs) Yet there was someone who did. (laughs) Someone did. They sell these T-shirts that are undershirts that are for those who sweat um, uh, extensively. Profusely (laughs) profusely is a better word. um, From their underarms. And it's got like seven layers of um padding under the arms so that when you sweat through the t-shirt it doesn't show on the outer shirt and since I do a lot of preaching and teaching in uh just button downs uh sometimes I got a lot of uh, sweat stains it is
0: hot up there on the stage now i'm going to tell you if you I never
1: thought i'd be talking about sweat pit you know, stains on pastors our podcast need to hear but this. here it is yeah. listen
0: we're all into your message the spirit is moving and then you raise them arms and we see what you got going on and it's just like distracting. We feel bad for you. It's not always just gross. Like sometimes it's not the grossness. This is like, oh, that poor man. So you really <laughs> should consider buying these. In fact, Josh and I have a line of these coming out that you can purchase on our Facebook page. I'm just kidding. She's just kidding. We don't sell these, but I have they worked. Oh, yeah. You they, it up works on that, fantastic. I only bought one
1: because it was like $30 for a t shirt. That's all that uh, Or something yeah. like that. But yeah, I wear it all the time on Sundays. And yeah, you wear it and you don't sweat and it looks fine or you do, but... Interesting. It's kind of gross, though. I mean, because you feel like you got this big old pad of water (laughs) underneath each armpit while you're... Yeah, it's really gross. Yeah, that
0: is nasty, but better than distracting your audience.
1: Uh, I'm glad our audience could hear about this.
0: Hey, people want to know. So, I'm trying to think. think. I don't think I've ever bought anything off TV. I've been tempted, though. Okay. Two things in particular that, one, I'm still deciding if I really want it. So... If this is good, if you use this product and it's amazing, you need to go on our Facebook page and let me know. Go on to uh, Bible Talks with Josh and Heather and let me know. It really works great. I saw it online and on a Home Shopping Network or whatever, which I never watched, but it was on for something. And it was um, Myers Cleaning Products. There's a whole line of them. And I don't even think you have to order them. I think you can give them at Best Buy. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've seen them there. So I don't know why I haven't bought them because they really made me want to be a believer One time I saw a special going on. I was going to get it, but then they were only on the soaps. I didn't want the soaps. You know, I want the real cleaners, the amazing cleaners that just take off everything. And then the other thing is, um, I think this may have been on the Shark Tank too, though. This may have been a Shark Tank thing. But it's a mop that scrapes stuff, or a broom and a mop that has like a scraper. A dad invented it. He was a stay-at-home dad, and he was talking about how he couldn't believe he always had to get down and scrape off things that were stuck to the floor. Okay cuz he had children. Yeah. So, if you don't have children, you may be very confused with why you would need a scraper, but it's a
1: real need. Right. Or if and you so, have a dog.
0: I don't think dog stuff sticks Th- to the floor
1: if it stays there for a very long time. If it's there for like a well,
0: month. Well, I can't speak to that cuz I did not have If you if in the you leave if you leave dog stuff for a month,
1: you'll need to scrape it, but also, if you leave dog stuff for a month, you've got bigger problems. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Than just. I
0: think we can all agree on that. Anyway, I just thought it was really clever. He made this broom and I kept thinking, oh, I'll get that when it comes out in stores, and I haven't seen it in stores. So, I still just get huh. out an old ratty butter knife and scrape off things and hey, then you got to you know. do what you got to do. Yeah. So,
1: all right. So, there's our Home Shopping Network. There it is. All right.
0: So, today we are continuing our discussion on Jesus. We're talking about Jesus. Uh, our last podcast, we talked about the names of Jesus.
1: Yeah, and then we talked about the virgin birth of Jesus, which leads Perfectly into the discussion today that we're going to talk about uh, Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man. What does that mean specifically?
0: Well, are you asking me for the term? Okay, give I us the term. I love to throw out this I, term because I, I don't know a lot of theological terms, but I do know this one. Yes. I know some of you out there too do know it as well. So if you do say it, it's two words. Say it with me: the hypostatic union.
1: Oh, I, th- I always call it the hypostatic union. <laughs> I I get it wrong. Yeah, it's it's hypo. Hypo. No, I've heard it both ways. Okay. (laughs) I've heard it both ways. Nice. There you go. Okay, so the hypostatic union means that God, Jesus Christ, is 100% God and 100% man all at the same time. Which makes
0: no mathematical sense. No,
1: of course not. But it doesn't need to because he is God. Being God, he can do and be what he wants when he wants. So what do we mean by that? Well, Jesus Christ is not a superhero um, from another planet who's kind of a God. He's not... A mythic- mythological creation of the mind like Hercules, who is half God and half man. He is 100% God, and, and by the way, God, when you see stories, man. don't
0: they usually struggle? Their humanity kind yeah. of struggles against their deity, and there's always this battle.
1: Right, but with Jesus, there's yeah. no battle between uh, the human side and the divine side. There is a complete symbiotic relationship between both. Now, Jesus Christ was not always man. Jesus Christ was always God. But he became man. That that term is called the incarnation. That is incarnate. That is became in the flesh. Carnate, uh, carnate meaning that the
0: carne like carne asada.
1: Right. It really is. <laughs> it, it's meat. It's he became the flesh. Yes. Uh, so Jesus Christ became one once who was once only God, literally becomes a man. And stays a man, which is something maybe we'll talk about at the end. Jesus Christ didn't put off his humanity when he died and was buried and rose from the grave. He continues to stay Ooh, human.
0: that's really interesting. For
1: for eternity, even now and throughout eternity. So the moment he became man, he knew he would always and forever be man.
0: I had never thought about it. I mean, I always picture him as still a man as well as God. But I'd never thought about that at one point he had was not man. yeah. yeah. You know, I didn't think, I mean, it makes, it's like a dull moment. Yeah, of course. No, absolutely. <laughs> but but it's the concept of it. the
1: incarnation and, and why it was so important. It wasn't that Jesus said, I'm going to take a, uh, like a, maybe a great king on a hilltop is going to temporarily dress up like a commoner and go down in the marketplace and walk around for a few hours and then it will go back to being king.
0: Oh, that's a good illustration. No,
1: Jesus Christ literally says, I'm going to become one of them and I will be one of them, not for this Thirty-three years, and not for a few thousand years until I come again. It's forever. He he put he took upon himself so he's the, the, the form of man, of humanity forever. Wow. Yeah. Now, not fallen humanity. We're going to see that later on. Uh, Jesus Christ, once he's resurrected, he um, he what he's received a glorified body, just like men today, one uh, men and women today do. When we are resurrected, he's been resurrected and given a glorified body, but is still a human glorified body and remains human.
0: Oh, really, really fascinating.
1: Yeah, so So when
0: I think about his humanity, obviously he had human parents. Yes. He had um those authorities raising him that that mother and father figure. He had brothers and sisters. He understood the family dynamic.
1: Right. He was human just like we are. Just like you had a mom and dad. You had children. Uh, uh you uh, excuse me, you had brothers and sisters. You had children around you. Uh, he had human names, um, right? He had the name of Jesus. He had, he was Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, so we know he was he was human in all these ways. He, was, he had
0: he... a human appearance. That's right. Which was... was not what we typically see in paintings.
1: <laughs> well, the paintings we see are made by Anglo's in Europe. Uh, Fifteen hundred yeah. years. Jesus was after not European. Oh, no. he was Jewish. There's a Jewish man living in the Middle East who looked like a typical Jewish man walking around the Middle East. Yes. Uh, he, had a, um, he had human infirmities, right? Uh, Jesus experienced hunger. He became a, he, it wasn't that Jesus was walking, floating around on a cloud, touching children on the forehead and blessing little lambs. Mm-hmm. Jesus was a real guy, and at lunchtime he got really hungry, and at dinnertime he got really hungry, and he, he got thirsty.
0: I know this is true, but it's so hard for me to picture him sick. Yeah, even with a sniffle. Forget yeah. the stomach bug. Yeah. <laughs> I just—it's hard to imagine Jesus dealing with that. But we know he did, sure, because he was human.
1: Yeah, uh, it's—it's a—it's a, it's a tightrope. Theologians have to balance. I can't even imagine
0: him sneezing. <laughs> have you ever pictured Jesus sneezing?
1: This conversation has historically been a tightrope for theolo- theologians to balance. Here's why: because we want to talk about the humanity of Christ and emphasize it without degrading who Jesus was. Yes,
0: that makes sense.
1: But if you don't put him down into the realm of humanity, sometimes you get this idea that he did not live and sweat and breathe and get sick. And when a virus came, he would have got sick, and he would have sneezed, and he probably had you know moments of, of fever. And he, uh, it, it's it's like uh, when Martin Luther wrote the song "Away in a Manger." Away in a manger, there's the baby in the crib, and no crying does he make.
0: Yeah, that part always kind of makes me smile. I thought, wow, I don't, I don't know about that. <laughs> yes, this is
1: overemphasizing his deity. Yeah. He is God. We believe that. But the idea that he's not crying in the manger, that's ridiculous. He was screaming his head off. Why? Because, uh, because he wanted milk from mom now. Yeah. He was fully human. Interesting. In he experienced fatigue, he got tired, he experienced weariness, he just got emotionally drained, he experienced agony and pain. All of this is important.
0: Another weird aspect with this humanity that we kind of don't like to think about is that he had human development. Like, just like, I mean, imagine there was a time where Jesus grew whiskers. I'm watching our son, you know, go through this, you know, the voice changing, the whiskers growing. There was a time Jesus had the little baby boy voice. (laughs) And then one day it began to change. Hey, Mom.
1: (laughs) Yeah, there was a moment where Jesus, uh, Jesus' voice was cracking. At adolescence, at puberty. He began
0: to stink. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: yeah, Jesus stank. That's true, yeah. yeah. And it needs to be remembered. This human development is expressed in, in the end of the book of Luke when the Bible says that he grew in wisdom and in stature and favor with God and man, that there were literally physical growth that took place.
0: Yeah, it sounds so much nicer to wrap that all up and say he grew in stature. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, you know. Not only, though, was there a physical appearance, we talk about that quite a bit, but he also had human activities.
0: So name some of those. I mean, are you just talking about eating and right. drinking? Those are obvious. Right,
1: but... eating and drinking, but also things like prayer. So a natural reaction of mankind is to pray, um, regardless of whether or not someone says they believe in a God or not. The, the human heart naturally goes in moments of terror to praying, oh, help, help, oh, God, oh, God, help. And so no matter how much we can deny the idea that there is a God or there's a higher power or a higher being, the heart of man craves uh, help from something so to somewhere. So
0: you're saying that Jesus in his humanity wasn't just giving us an example of prayer. Right. And and obviously we know he wasn't because in there are many humanity, times he went he away prayed. alone. I, I, some could argue that, oh, that's to still show us to go away alone and pray. But he really did that in his humanity.
1: In his humanity. He went uh, a great while before it was morning. Uh, While it was still night, he would go away and he would pray. And I believe he prayed as a human prayed.
0: Just as humans have a need for food, and that's not wrong. He had a need, you're saying, for prayer.
1: Right. He worked. Uh, When we talk about his human activities, not only did he pray, but he he had a job. I mean, he quite literally worked.
0: Yeah. In fact, um, you can read that. I think it's only mentioned in Mark. Mark 6, 3 mentions that people say, isn't this the carpenter, the son of Mary? So we know that he apprenticed with his father. I mean, that's assumed through, I guess, tradition, but you also see it there in the scripture that he was a carpenter. That's what he had done for all those years before he stepped into ministry.
1: Yeah, Matthew 13 says that he's a carpenter's son. In Mark chapter 6 and verse 3, it says that that Jesus himself uh, was a carpenter. Now, it's interesting about the word carpenter in the Greek. The word carpenter can be translated in many ways. It could be translated uh, contractor. It could be translated artesian. It could be translated handyman. That is it, the general translation is is carpenter. But under carpenter in that society, it could have meant a lot of things. A lot. Of, well, I've a,
0: seen the movie and it meant he worked with wood. He makes tables and chairs. <laughs> that's
1: right. Mel Gibson told us yeah. that he he invented the, uh, the and table I've seen and the chair. painting
0: where Joseph is working with wood <laughs> and Jesus is like looking at the nail and it makes the shadow of a cross. And that's true. That dating so...
1: that 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 painting goes back to the 1990s. So I'm yeah. sure they. They knew. No, so carpentry at that time, it, it could have meant many things, for, all the way from ranging from um, almost an engineer for the town, someone who would have engineered and and helped develop the the village plan, and, and, and it could also be translated all the way down to the concept of fix-it man or handyman. Now, because of the... Um, because of the economic status that we see of Joseph and Mary being very poor, we know that because when they went to give the offering, they gave two turtle doves. You could only do that if you were extremely poor. It was, it was, a, it was an offering only poor people gave. So we know they weren't wealthy. So some would say, uh, was he a strict carpenter and all he ever did was work with wood? It's more likely— Um, And a lot of people have given this argument that he was more of a fix-it man. He would have been the guy who you called to come fix your problem, whether that be you had a problem with your well or you had a problem with your front door. Or your cart. you had a problem with your cart. uh, You would come. And to think of Jesus as a fix-it man is awesome. Like There's the other side of why I like that that, that translation or that understanding is that Jesus was the guy in Nazareth after his father who came uh, and was going to fix the problem. I'm, going to, I'm here to fix the problem. Now, that's interesting, too, because that would have been like we view just a, a fix it guy, right? Just a guy that you want to esteem his as the most important person in society. And this is why when the Pharisees not until down your portion, <laughs> no, no, he's but, pretty important. But when you see the higher escalons of society <laughs> know, in teething. Jerusalem look at Jesus and they're like, not only are you from Nazareth, but you're the fix it man of Nazareth? <laughs> Who are you? Aren't you the carpenter's son? Aren't you the fix it man's son? Uh yeah no you're not a rabbi you're nothing um, so there's an interesting concept I don't know if it's true I mean if it makes us feel better to I think know. of I Jesus really in a like, wood shop like
0: I like to fix things I like the concept of Jesus fixing things I like what you just said with that kind of being a very derogatory because it does sound much worse than someone who just you know works with wood and does beautiful things so but again I've had years of flannel graph right movies. Yeah paintings yeah. telling me that he did something else. So it's going to take me a while to come over to this. <laughs> and that's
1: what I say. If, if you, if it makes you feel better to think of Jesus in a, in a woodshed in the backyard, uh, <laughs> with a lathe, um, and a, and an apron and sawdust on him, go for it. But, but historically speaking, there's just as much, uh, validity there, but this is all in the concept of Jesus being human. The guy, the, the answer is he's a guy. Like, this is those—those those who do not understand Christianity and those who are new to Christianity can't grasp this idea until you spend a lot of time with Christ and a lot of time studying the Word. He's just a guy. He's a guy. He's a normal dude who does normal dude stuff. But then there's another side of Jesus.
0: I really don't think you should call Jesus a dude. No? <laughs> he's a man. Yes, he's a human, but—
1: I'm owning a it. A dude. I'm staying with it. He okay. And that's the emphasis of the humanity in our theological discussions— the emphasis is on the idea he's a You're right. A what you said before guy.
0: really hits home with me that it is hard because you want to discuss this and you want to picture all these aspects, but in no way do you want to be disrespectful. And I think it shows the tightrope how of theologians. we know that we are as these small, puny, created beings. And that's why it's so humbling to think that God became right. one of us. Right. Because we don't want to picture all of this. We want to know that he relates yes. with us, but at the same time, You know, it's so low and so dirty and so pathetic to think about him being like us. Right.
1: And so we want to naturally, we want to raise him just a little bit above us. And the answer is no. Like, theologically, he doesn't want that. He is right down there in the dirt with us and um, doing what we do, living the way we live, yet without sin. And that's the difference between him and the rest of humans. So he may be in the carpentry shop and he— makes a mistake and he slips and he hits his his thumb with the hammer the only difference between him and me is that I curse and he doesn't see there's a difference whoa. between yeah <laughs> uh, whoa yeah well I, Josh. I, I'm not going to say here so but there's the, there's the idea there's a difference between man now uh, between man uh, and God-man, that is the man without sin. And this is what makes Jesus so fascinating. Never once in his humanity did he think a wrong thought. I think
0: through the the childhood and teenage years, it's amazing to me to think of a child, even a toddler, who never once disobeys his mom.
1: Yeah, yeah. Never that sins. Is,
0: I mean, that's like mic drop right there. Yeah. <laughs> that is enough said right. when you consider that aspect.
1: I think about how disappointed Mary would have been with the next children. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: you gotta. That would be hard to be. And what would be hard is, you know, sometimes as moms, we see our sin and our depravity come into even, oh, it was, wasn't really my kid. That was my pride that made me upset at that. Or that was my short-temperedness anger. That's all Mary had. Every time there was a conflict, she had to know, oh, it's me. <laughs> there's no doubt about it. Now,
1: there's another, there's another side of Jesus' humanity, and it's the last one I think we could discuss on this end, and that is the fact that he learned. This is the one that's most intriguing to me currently and one that I don't fully understand.
0: Yeah, I was going to say it's the one that's not intriguing to me because it frustrates me. It's the most puzzling to me.
1: The Bible says very, very uh, uh, specifically that Jesus learned obedience. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 8, Philippians chapter 2 verse 8. But also Luke chapter 2 indicates that Christ increased, not just physically, but mentally. So if he creased mentally, that means there were things that he learned when he was 15 that he did not know when he was 12. Okay, so we get that right in the carpentry shop. He probably was learning whatever it was that he was supposed to learn from Joseph. But my question is, how much did he learn about himself?
0: Wow. I really, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like maybe, okay, we know, let's go back to the things we do know about his childhood. It, it, how old was he when he's at the temple Twelve. teaching 12? Yeah. So okay so maybe at 12 and he that's where he says i'm about my father's business maybe that revelation came at 12 or was it a gradual knowledge that
1: came Was it a gradual knowledge did mary and joseph teach him did they tell him mary who he had was to and, tell him as he and, got older and at what point did that take place or was there this this um that aspect that was all re- always known to him that he is messiah now this is edging into a heretical territory in that there is a, a ancient heresy that teaches that Jesus was not the Messiah but became the Messiah at the at the baptism um that when when the holy spirit descends upon him like a dove that's the first time he realizes he's Messiah and that's the first time he decides to be Messiah And uh, all of that. There's also an ancient heresy that teaches the same concept, but it was at the garden right before he's crucified. So he finally realizes who he is and what his mission is. I I would not
0: really a stretch. I mean, they're both. Yeah, I would not ascribe (laughs) to either
1: one of those those beliefs, obviously. But I do wonder sometimes: was it an innate knowledge given by God the Father in the tiny soul of the of the virgin-born babe? Or was it something that he came to knowledge of as he grew?
0: I would say I think at least by 12, he is really, if he's not fully aware, he is very close to being aware. Yeah. What do you think of that?
1: I, I don't know. I, I, I like it, but it's, uh, still I would say it's, uh, it's speculation based upon our limited knowledge. And maybe somebody in our audience is like, no, I know the answer to that. Uh, we'd be fascinated to hear more from you. You should, uh, you should uh, let us know by emailing us or going to our Facebook page and marking that there. So this is the concept of the humanity of Christ, but the other side of that coin is the deity of Christ. This is what makes the full hypostatic union.
0: Yes, so just as much as he's 100% man, he's 100% God. Um, So that brings in divine aspects. So some divine things that would come in is the fact that Jesus created. He was there at creation.
1: Yeah, the Bible clearly tells us that Jesus was not just uh around at creation but that he himself created God the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 1 it says God hath spoken unto us by his son whom he hath made who whom also uh he made the worlds John chapter 1 is very clear on this it says uh, that Jesus Christ was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not so um in the book of Colossians chapter 1 tells us that by all things by by Christ all things consists, that is, they continue, not through the power of the Father, not through the power of the Holy Spirit, specifically through the power of the Son, it's stated. So he is divine in that Jesus, the same one who got a cold, is also the same one who created the world.
0: And it's amazing when you think about the fact that he saw the world as it was, perfect, and he saw it go through the fall and change. He saw when those the world began to be broken and viruses and things that you just mentioned, that cold, right. where it began. Um, but the thing I think we think of that's most common and easiest for us to remember about his deity is that he forgave sins.
1: Yeah. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 9 that Jesus said unto the man, "Uh, Thy sins be forgiven thee. Now, this is not something a man can do. This is not something that we can— Now, I can forgive somebody for hurting my feelings, but when it comes to atoning for sin or when it comes to uh, uh, absolving sin, it doesn't matter if you're a priest or a man or or whoever you think you are— you have no power to absolve sin. Only God can do that.
0: Yeah, and this is a big, big deal. Because if Jesus is just a good man, um, a prophet or, you know, oh, I like some of his teachings. Well, he's a really, really bad guy if he's not God. Not right. only his claims, but the fact that he's basically sending people in the wrong direction for salvation. He's saying, oh, I've forgiven you. You're okay. And then if there's something else they need to do, if he's not really God and, and invested with the power to do so then he's not an okay teacher, and he's got some—he's a, you know, a good rabbi with some good thoughts. No, he is a big problem. He is a terrible person, if that's the case, which it's not.
1: Ab- ab- absolutely the case. So he must be God, because not only does he create, he forgives sins. According to the Bible, the Bible refers to—the New Testament refers to Jesus as the judge of humanity. In fact, John chapter 5 specifically indicates that the Father judges no man. When we get to the judgment seat of Christ, or we get to the great right throne judgment, it is the Son of God that sits upon that throne. It is the Son of God. It is Jesus who is the judge. We get the same concept from 2 Timothy chapter 4, where it says, The Lord Jesus Christ shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing, those who are living in the dead.
0: That is really interesting. So, wait, so you're saying that when the end of times comes, and those who are dead who have not trusted Christ come before the throne of God, that they're not answering to God the Father. That's what you always hear. If you right. spoke to God, and I know Jesus is God, but you always no, picture your Father God. It's the Jesus. just judge. If he is, if you stand before him and he says, "Why well, won't let you in?" You're saying that that is Jesus. It's
1: Jesus Himself. It's something that has been given to that Jesus makes
0: sense. the throne. Uh, yeah,
1: by by the Father. Fascinating.
0: Yeah, I have never once ever considered that. Wow.
1: Not only that, He is worshipped. This is something that only can be done. To a divine. You cannot be worshipped. Uh, in fact, several times throughout the Bible, there are there are people, men, who are worshipped. Well, like Peter. Yeah.
0: And Peter tells them, don't worship angels. Yeah. You see angels throughout Scripture who they begin to be worshipped and they, they stop it. But yeah. Jesus doesn't do that, does he? It's
1: a great story whenever Peter is, he's, he's in a Gentile community. Um, <laughs> and in the Gentile communities of the day, the Romans, they just worship everything and anything. You know, if they got excited about something, they fall down and worship it. And so Peter does some miracles and they start to bow down and worship him in Caesarea and he says, Whoa, 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 and as a Jewish man, obviously this is not a good he says, I'm just a guy like you. Don't don't worship me. But Jesus never did that, did he? He was bow, yeah. people bowed down and worshipped him, prayed to him. And he received it. And he worship. received it. So again, back to your point. Here's a dude walking around Judea, mm-hmm. Samaria, uh, Galilee uh and he's accepting worship from people, not a good guy, right unless he's God, so either mm-hmm. he is a really bad dude, so this idea well he's a nice rabbi, well, he is a nice teacher, no, he's not a nice teacher he's a terrible, terrible, terrible person, unless he is who he said he was, and that is god
0: well then he's got other um fa- factors or i guess I should say factors, but um qualities. That are of God. That That are divine nature. Yes, divine nature. And so things that we already discussed about God that come into play with Jesus Christ, like being eternal.
1: Right. Jesus always has been, always will be, and always uh, always has been, and always will be. And we reference that through creation, but there's
0: also scriptures like, I believe, in John. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and And the Word was with God, and the Word was God.
1: Yes, Hebrews chapter 13. Jesus was the same yesterday, today, forever. Hebrews chapter 1. But unto the Son, he saith, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. So he is eternal. But not only is he eternal, he is omnipresent. Uh,
0: now, this one threw me for a loop, because we did talk about this a little bit earlier. Yes. And I had never thought, because I always think, okay, Jesus was not omnipresent, but he has to be, because he's God, right? Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, he's limited himself in this human body, so he can only be one place one one time. So tell us what the biblical background for this there's is. A th-
1: there's there's a theory. I'd, I'm not going to say that I ascribe to it, but there's a theory that Jesus, even in his human form, could have been omnipresent. There are times at which Jesus seems to be up on the mountain, and the next moment he's out in the middle of the sea. There are times that, uh, for example, in the book of John, the Bible says, and they willingly received him into the ship, and immediately the ship was uh, at the land where they went. That is, it's almost as if Jesus transports the ship immediately to the dog. Some would point yeah, at that and say— I don't think say, I
0: ascribe to that either.
1: Yeah, some would say, well, that's proof of Jesus' omnipresence. Now, I would say, look, I don't need to see Jesus as omnipresent during the 33 years. Right. I do see Jesus as present, omnipresent prior and after— so even now, the Bible tells us So in, like
0: where he is leaving, right? Where he tells his disciples, I am with you always. Right. These yeah, are the words of Jesus Right before himself.
1: Jesus ascends to heaven in a cloud, he says to his disciples, Behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. That is right now he's with his disciples as we scatter around the world. So yes, Jesus now is omnipresent. But in the, in the, in the 33 years span, I don't, I don't ascribe to that myself. Right, And that doesn't make him any less God. It just means he limited himself to human form during his human days. But not only is he omnipresent, we would say he's omniscient. Again, he would have limited his omniscience during his, his, uh, his 33 years. But the Bible now says that he, uh, he is somebody who is omniscient. Now, uh, what he chose to know during his 33 years is interesting to me. Because the Bible says he did increase in his wisdom and stature, favor with God and man. But then there are other passages that tell G- tell us that Jesus knew what was in their hearts. Right. He could read their minds. <laughs> yes. Um, now, some could read that and say, well, that just means he read—he uh, could their see— body what, was, Yeah, their body language. Yeah. Maybe that's what it meant, but maybe it meant that he literally knew what was in their minds, knew their thoughts, knew their I hearts. I take that as more literal. Yeah, me too. Me too. And not only omnipre- omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent, he is all-powerful. I mean, the proofs of Christ's deity through his miracles— are so obvious and so uh, so evident. This is why we talk so much of the miracles of Jesus.
0: And then also, last of all, I think of his immutability.
1: Yeah, his immutability, meaning he doesn't change.
0: Yeah, this Jesus Christ, the same today, always, forever. Yeah,
1: yeah Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. It, it's not something, he's not someone who changes. As humans change, he is not. So what we see is a, is a very very fascinating picture of the person of jesus christ throughout the new testament he is 100 100 percent fully human in every aspect yet without sin and he's completely divine no more is the father god or the holy spirit god than is jesus god they are complete he is completely both human and divine all in the same and we call that what heather
0: the hypostatic union. The
1: hypostatic union. (laughs) This has
0: been a good discussion. I feel like I've learned a few things and definitely got a few more things to ponder and consider. Hopefully you have as well. Thanks for joining us today in the Bible Talks. Uh, Next time, we have a very special treat for you on our next podcast. We are going to be talking about um, the favorite foods of Israel and a biblical concept that goes along with the blessing of Israel. So... You're going to enjoy it. It'll be a fun one and also a good discussion one.
1: That's episode number 16. So we're looking forward to you listening to episode number 16 right along with us. We want to ask you to do one thing if you can. uh, And that is this. Go ahead and take a moment. Take one moment right now to go to our iTunes podcast and rate and review the podcast. Look, it's going to take you five minutes. Pull the car over. Stop your run. Pull out your phone. And go up to the podcast and rate and review it. Here's why. Because when people are searching for Bible podcasts or teaching podcasts, this will go higher uh, in their search if you do that. And so every five-star helps, and every rating and review helps. So please take time to do that.
0: Thanks for listening. And remember, when
1: the Bible talks— We'd better listen.